This morning, I would like to talk to you a little bit about our foe and how he became our foe. And I think we will learn some very important lessons how he is still trying the same tactics on us. So I've entitled this Lucifer, the Anointed Cherub. Now, some people have a question about him. They think that somehow there was a flaw, and that's why he went bad. But the Bible says that he was perfect. Thou wast perfect. So there was no flaw. God has no fault in why Satan turned out or Lucifer turned out to be Satan. In Ezekiel 28, beginning of verse 12, we have this passage. Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sun, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. And so not only was he an amazing creature that God created, but he was given all the advantages of heaven. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Talking about his musical ability. And Satan is busy using music to destroy people today. He was used to heavenly music. He knew what it was like. And when he fell, he knows how to use music for the destruction of the human race. So we need to be careful what kind of music we listen to. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. So he was next to the throne of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. So there's a walkway there with stones of fire, angels, no doubt. And he knew what it was like to walk down that aisle and stand beside the throne of God. And there was nothing wrong with him. Who knows how long? Maybe they don't figure time up there, but if we were to put a time on it, maybe for millions of years, he was in this condition. Thou wast perfect in thy ways. From the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. So he has two periods of his life. One period, he did nothing wrong. All of his thoughts were correct. And he lived that life for a long time. But then the day came when iniquity was found in him. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Therefore, and God looks forward now to the end of Lucifer. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, 
and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. There was absolutely no reason why Lucifer went bad. But he began to think thoughts that would lead him astray. And it's important to understand what kind of thoughts did he think? Because he tries to put those kind of thoughts in our mind as well. And the Bible identifies him as the liar and the father of it. And so he likes to put thoughts in our mind that seem good, seem to be a blessing, but they lead us in a path of destruction. That's what he started right there at the beginning. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. You know, any blessing that we get from God has a tendency to lift us up, especially as human beings. We have a real weakness. That's one of the reasons that God doesn't bless us like he would like to, because he knows what the outcome would be until we get more surrendered and more... Uh, never taking the credit to ourselves. And so this is what happened to him. His heart was lifted up because of the beauty God gave him. He got it from God. He didn't come up with it. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. The study I give for those that are learning about the Adventist Church is that there is good news about the devil. He's going to be ashes one of these days. But until that time, he is very active, trying to tempt those that don't even know that he exists or see him as some hideous creature that is taking care of hellfire with a pitchfork or whatever their crazy ideas about Satan, but the day is coming. He's not going to take care of hellfire. He's going to be in hellfire, and he's going to be burned to ashes. Now, we're going to look at seven steps in the downward path that Lucifer took. Step number one, thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So he started thinking, <clears throat> I could do better than God. In spite of the fact that for a long time, he saw how God acted and what he did throughout the universe. But he started entertaining the idea that he could do better than God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High. Now, I've, I've been working in connection with self-supporting institutions for since 1970. And one thing that I've observed is that most of the people feel they can do better. If their will was carried out, if what they thought ought to be done would be done, that it would be better than what's going on right now. Isn't that amazing? How Satan is able to put the same kind of thoughts in people's mind? When those thoughts come in our mind, a red flag needs to go up. Now, I'm not saying that we can't give the counsel of what, you know, God is putting on our heart. We can do that. And maybe it will be a better idea. But there is danger in thinking that we know better. And if everybody would just do what we think, it will all work correctly. In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 36, it says, the king of the universe summoned the heavenly host before him. So this, this uh, murmuring and talking had been going on for some time, and God knew it was time to get everybody together. The king of the universe summoned the heavenly host before him, that in their presence he might set forth the true position of his son and show the relation he sustained to all created beings. Now, the father was not elevating Jesus by this meeting. He was simply, notice the word there, he was going to set forth the true position, the position that Jesus had from the beginning, or there was no beginning, but from eternity the true position of his son. The son of God shared the father's throne and the glory of the eternal self-existent one encircled both. Now, there's a hidden truth there that's being questioned today. The glory of the eternal self-existent one encircled both which means they were both self-existent, or the glory could not circle both of them. Jesus had no beginning, just like the Father had no beginning. He also did not come from the Father. He is the self-existent one. And so that was made plain. You see, because Michael, which is Jesus, stood on one side of the throne, and Lucifer stood on the other, and he started thinking that he was equal with Jesus. And so God had to call a meeting and explain it. The angels joyfully acknowledged the supremacy of Christ and prostrating themselves before him, poured out their love and adoration. So it was a Pentecostal season. The Holy Spirit and all the power of the Godhead entered the meeting, the angels recognized, we don't need to be listening to these ideas that he's presenting. I've noticed this too. When people are outnumbered, they appear to agree with the majority. 
Lucifer did not agree with the majority, but it says Lucifer bowed with them. But in his heart, there was a strange, fierce conflict. Truth, justice, and the loyalty were struggling against envy and jealousy. So there we see the seeds that had found root in the heart of Lucifer. He wasn't Satan yet. He was still Lucifer. But already this envy, this jealousy was beginning to develop in his heart. And envy and jealousy makes us see things that are not there. And so he started seeing some things that weren't really there. Truth, justice, and loyalty were struggling against envy and jealousy. The influence of the holy angels seemed for a time to carry him with them. So we don't know how long, but after that meeting, Lucifer stopped talking about God for a little while. He thought, maybe this is not right, what I'm doing, but those seeds are in there, and they started to come out again. You know, when God sometimes demonstrates that he's in something that somebody's opposed to, then they surrender, but later they start churning over it again, and they, they are against it again. In the fourth Bible commentary, page 1143, it says that Lucifer became desirous of being as God. Nothing but being equal with God would satisfy Lucifer as he began to entertain those thoughts. Satan determined to be first in the councils of heaven and equal with God. And so he began to think. You know, it wasn't just, it wasn't clear to him, but he began to think that he had a better plan. And that if he could just find a way to get his plan in operation, that everything would be better and everybody would recognize it's better and he would be exalted to the highest position in heaven. Now, there were a number of suggestions that he had to make it better. And they, they're pointed out in Patriarchs and Prophets 37 leaving his place in the immediate presence of the Father. So he willingly gives up his role standing next to the Father. Lucifer went forth to diffuse, to diffuse the spirit of discontent among the angels. And here's what he told them, number one intimating that though laws might be necessary for the inhabitants of the worlds, angels, being more exalted, needed no such restraint, for their own wisdom was a sufficient guide. Well, I'm sure you can recognize he's not finished with that one. Whenever we learn about a law of God, 
he puts the idea in our mind that we don't need to do that law. And some people even get the idea, I'm not convicted, so I don't need to do it because I'm not convicted about it. Really, it's not important whether we are convicted or not. The question is, is that the law? Is that what it says? And if that's what it says and we're not convicted, shame on us. We need to start praying. We need to start saying, Lord, why am I not convicted? I read it. And why am I not convicted about this law? If more people would do that, we'd be, this world would be filled with Sabbath keepers. And this institution would be filled with people that eat right and dress right and do the recreation right and a whole lot of other things. If we didn't listen to Satan's idea that we don't need to keep the law. Number two, the exaltation of the Son of God as equal with the Father was represented as an injustice to Lucifer. So he said that meeting that God called, he exalted Jesus above me. And that was wrong. Now that was a mirage. He really believed that. But it was a mirage. And so he taught that to as many as would listen, that he had been mistreated and put down instead of being allowed to be equal with Jesus. Has, any, has Satan ever put in your mind that you ought to be holding a higher position in what you do or that your word ought to be respected more than what it is? Guess what? He's still busy doing the same things. If this prince of angels could but attain to his true exalted position, so he said, if you would just vote for me so that I get the position that I am supposed to have and I got demoted from it, then we can change these things. Number three, was his object to secure freedom for all. He said, my job is to get you free from this bondage so that you don't have to obey all these rules. And if you put me in, I'll get you free. But now, even the liberty which they had hitherto enjoyed was at an end. So he said, as of that meeting, you're less free than you were back then. That was just a mirage. wasn't true. Number four, an absolute ruler had been appointed them. So Lucifer said, now God has set up Christ, and he's an absolute ruler, and you're going to have to bow and scrape in a way that you never had to do before. All that was a pack of lies, but he found a lot of angels willing to listen to that. In the seventh Bible commentary, 972, it says, he began his work of rebellion with the angels under his command, seeking to diffuse among them the spirit of discontent. Satan loves a spirit of discontent. 
He can do his work 10 times, 100 times as much when there is a spirit of discontent. And he worked in so deceptive a way that many of the angels were won to his allegiance before his purposes were fully known. So they didn't know fully where he was going, and they fell for his arguments. Now, this is our greatest danger. Satan knows how to work, how to suggest things to us, and we don't even realize that that's going to lead us down the wrong path. However, in God's word, he has explained things so that we don't have to fall for that. And if we will stick with what the word says, we'll be safe. But as soon as we depart from that, we are in danger. In the fourth Bible commentary, 1143, it says he gained the sympathy of some of his associates by suggesting thoughts of criticism regarding the government of God. We're looking at the basis for the rebellion. And he tries that over and over again with all of us. But if we understand how the first rebellion happened, when those kind of thoughts get put in our mind, we're going to ask God to take them out. Because we know they will lead us in the path of Satan. Step number three, fourth Bible commentary, 1143. This evil seed was scattered in a most seducing manner. And after it had sprung up and taken root in the minds of many, he gathered the ideas that he himself had first implanted in the minds of others and brought them before the highest order of angels as the thoughts of other minds against the government of God. So Satan didn't go and say, this is my idea. But he sowed his idea <clears throat> in the minds of others, and they started thinking about it. And they started thinking they saw it too. And so they started grumbling about it. And when Lucifer went around to them, asking them, they were grumbling too. So then he takes their grumbling to the management and he says, you know what? You're making these people really unhappy because you're not doing things the right way. He puts it on them. Seventh Bible Commentary 972, and he worked in so deceptive a way that many of the angels were won to his allegiance before his purposes were fully known. You know, one of the weaknesses we have as human beings is that we don't like to change our opinion. Once we have an opinion on something, we don't like to change it. So Satan got the wrong opinion in there, and then... When the truth came, they didn't want to change their opinion. 
Even the loyal angels could not fully discern his character, nor see to what his work was leading. Now, these are the obedient ones. They didn't choose to follow, but they couldn't see exactly what he was up to and what the result would be to what he was doing. This, I think, leads us to be careful about anything new that is being brought to us. If it is firmly from the word, okay, we can take it. But if it isn't, we need to be skeptical until we are sure. And fortunately, the majority of the angels decided to do that. They didn't know fully how it was going to turn out, but they said, we're not going to go with this right now. Step four. When Satan had succeeded in winning many angels to his side, he took his cause to God, representing that it was the desire of the angels that he occupy the position that Christ held. So he goes now, after getting all of this support, you know, I believe that the reason gossip works so well is that when an individual feels that enough other people agree with them, then they don't mind sharing it. But if nobody would agree with them, they probably wouldn't share it. And so that's the situation here, that Satan works and he gets enough people behind him. And so now he gets bold enough to bring it right to God and say, you know what? Uh, they really don't like the elevation that you gave to Christ, and they really want me to hold that position. In so deceptive a way did Lucifer work that the sentiments that he inculcated could not be dealt with until they had developed in the minds of those who received them. If we were to hold a debate, God himself would not be able to adequately defend to everybody the wrongness of Satan's cause. And that's why he couldn't exterminate Satan right then. He had to allow. That's how sneaky the devil is. That's how he works on us in the same exact way. Step number five, fourth Bible commentary, 1162. When it was announced that with all his sympathizers, he must be expelled from the abodes of bliss, then the rebel leader boldly avowed his contempt for the creator's law. So he started out saying, they want me. Then when he was opposed, he said, the problem is your law. Now, he sure works that one today. He tries to convince people it doesn't matter, even though the fourth commandment says that you are to worship on the seventh day of the week, not the first day of the week. He works with his subtlety to make people think it doesn't matter as long as I keep one day in seven, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, I was reading a book one time and 
They had a list in the book. There's some religion that keeps every day of the week. Some keep Monday, some keep Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. There's a group somewhere that keeps every day of the week. But God's law says the seventh day of the week. So when people listen, they're listening to Satan himself when he tells them different. But there's a lot of other laws. I don't have time to talk about those. He denounced the divine statutes as a restriction of their liberty and declared that it was his purpose to secure the abolition of law. You ever heard that the law was nailed to the cross? That comes straight from Lucifer. With one accord, Satan and his host threw the blame of their rebellion wholly upon Christ. I said, you know, if Jesus hadn't taken a higher position than he was supposed to, we wouldn't have even had these thoughts of rebellion. We wouldn't have even wanted to change it, but it's his fault. That's a good tactic of the devil, too. The, the wrong one always gets the blame because Satan doesn't want to take the blame, so he tries his best to put it on the wrong one. We need to be careful of that because sometimes we're to blame and we put it on somebody else. Where did we get it from? We got it from Satan. That's not what we want to be involved in. With one accord, Satan and his hosts threw the blame of their rebellion wholly upon Christ, declaring that if they had not been reproved, they would never have rebelled. Step six. Early writings, page 145 and 6. All the heavenly hosts were summoned to appear before the Father to have each case decided. Notice God didn't do it in a group. He called each one before the judgment bar of God, and he looked at that case. It was there determined that Satan should be expelled from heaven with all the angels who had joined him in the rebellion. Then there was war in heaven. First time there had ever been war in heaven. Because this influence was so damaging and so destructive that it could not be allowed to stay in heaven. The Bible records the battle, it says in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and the, uh, fought in his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan and his angels were cast out with him. And I didn't put the part in there. He was cast out to this earth. So now he's working on us. I, I think all of us believe that Jesus' coming is soon. If we really believe that, it's time that we stopped listening to Satan. It's time that his suggestions no longer are entertained by us.
Step number seven, early writings 146. After Satan and those who fell with him were shut out of heaven, and he realized that he had forever lost all its purity and glory, he repented. Now, this is what we call false repentance. He wasn't sorry that he had wounded Jesus. He wasn't sorry that he had told all those lies. But he was sorry for what he lost. Being able to stand beside the throne of God and being looked up to as one of the most wonderful beings in the universe. And he saw that he lost it all. And so he was selfishly sorry. And wished to be reinstated in heaven. So he, he goes to God and he says, you know, please put me back. He was willing to take his proper place or any position that he might that might be assigned him. So he said, you can put me back where I was, or you can give me the lowliest position in heaven. It doesn't matter, whatever you want to do, but please take me back. But no, heaven must not be in jeopardy. God had to stand up for his angels, and those angels have learned now there's no question in their mind about Satan and his program, but God was not going to let them to continue to be exposed to that reasoning. And the human race would not have either if Adam and Eve had not listened to Satan. They were allowed to be exposed to his reasoning for a short time, but if they had been faithful, Satan wouldn't have been allowed to go after them. But because Adam and Eve chose to follow Satan, now all of us are exposed to Satan's attacks and to his suggestions in our mind. And I suggest to you that most of the bad suggestions that he makes are identical to the ones that we just read about. And so if we're ever going to gain victory over Satan, we're going to have to learn to recognize those things and say, no, Lord, take that out of my mind. I don't want my mind to think in that direction. Yeah, that was the last one. So today, as we close this service, I believe we don't have a lot of time left. And I believe that we are often bombarded with one of those things that we read about. And so I think our prayer needs to be today that, please, Lord, help me to recognize that when those kind of thoughts come to me, that I will recognize them from Satan. We have an advantage because the cross reveals Satan's program. Clearer than any other thing in the Bible, the cross reveals Satan's program. The only problem we have now is those subtle suggestions sometimes we don't see that that's Satan, just like the angels didn't see it. But by God's grace, we can. And the better we know our Bibles, 
the better we're informed on the inspired writings, the more we can recognize it. So our work is before us to be ready to confront this most deceptive creature in the entire world. 